are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. So in the book of Romans, it talks about transformation, but the story of Paul's life is not in the book of Romans, right? It's in the book of Acts, and I'm just going to walk you through it quickly. So Paul did not like what Christians were doing. He was a devout Jew, and he was on his road to Damascus one day. Do all of you remember the story? He's on his road to Damascus. He's going to go and arrest some Christians, and he had this miraculous encounter with Jesus. He's on the road, and suddenly there's this voice that says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he realized one thing. He realized that that was the divine, a divine voice, but he didn't know whose it was, so he asked, who is it? And when he asked, then he realized he was talking to the risen Christ himself. And then he became blind. So this guy's having his normal day where he's going out to persecute people. He hears this voice of Jesus, and now the guy's blind. Can you imagine his day? Not a great day for him. (laughs) So his friends took him to Damascus, where he was visited by a Christian named Ananias, right? Who laid his hands on him and prayed for his sight to be restored. So Saul's sight was restored. It says that scales fell from his eyes. Do you remember that story? Yep. Yeah, he prayed for him for a sight to be restored. It happened. And then guess what happened? Do you think Saul was changed? Of course he was. He was converted, baptized, and transformed. And do you think it happened right away? No. Right? It says right away he went out and started preaching the gospel. But he was converted. He began preaching the good news. But he wasn't transformed overnight. It's one thing to be converted... It's another thing to be transformed. In Romans 7, 15 through 20, he wrote, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And how many of us have been in that boat before? Right? Saul was human, and he was on a transformation journey. For most of us, transformation is more like a process of healing than being suddenly cured. And I was really happy. Where'd Megan go? I was really happy when Megan preached about that because it gave me a clearer understanding of the difference between the two. Sometimes we may not even know that we need to transform. That was my case. Some of you have heard my story, but I'm going to go through it really quickly, and then we'll move on. But several years ago, I was working for a church in Sweden, and then I left to finish my MBA, and I came out as a gay woman. I experienced some hurt in my life by the people in the church, the very people I trusted, were the people who cut me off. Over time, my relationship with God started to decrease quite a lot, to the point where I wasn't going to church anymore. And I started to feel sad about that. And one day while I was taking a walk, I cried out to God. And I said, God, you have to help me. I was desperate. I remember the exact place I was walking that day in Seattle. I was walking up a hill in my little town of Magnolia. I remember exactly where I was standing, and I remember it because at that moment, the Spirit of God just washed over me. 
and I felt the presence of God. And God said to me, come out. <laughs> and I said, what? Come out? That didn't work for me. <laughs> and then I heard God in my heart say, come out of this dead place in your heart, and I will heal you. That's what happened to me that day. And I will never forget that day, but it was also difficult. It was a very difficult day. I had this amazing experience with God, and thank God I wasn't blind when it happened. But I had this amazing experience, but I still felt alone. That was the hard part. Something that I've learned about transformational change is that transformation, transformational change doesn't happen to us. It happens within us. And when it comes to responsibility to know the perfect will of God, we need that change if we want to know that perfect will. That day when Saul fell on his knees, he had plans. He had plans to go and persecute and arrest followers of Jesus, but God had other plans for him. God has other plans for us, too. When Ananias prayed for him, he did one other thing I haven't mentioned yet. I'm going to wait to see if you know what that thing is for a second. <laughs> He informed Saul that God had chosen him as an instrument to carry his message to the Gentiles. Like I said, it was one thing for Saul to be converted and another for him to live God's plan in his life. God's plans are often bigger than our plans. And they don't always involve just us. When it comes to living God's plan, I've often struggled with three lies. You probably wondered, why is she calling her sermon the three lies? <laughs> it's because I want to be really honest with you about my transformational journey. You know, we're, we're Midwesterners. We don't like to tell people about our faults. We don't like to hear negative stuff sometimes. But you know what? It's not always been easy. So I'm going to tell you about my three lies that I struggle with in my life so that maybe you can relate to them too. The great thing about it is, God is with us. We are not alone. The first lie is, someone else will do it. I have a full-time job. I'm busy at work, at home, and with my career, and I'm a rower. It's easy for me to say, we've hired people at our church to do these things. I keep mentioning I'm a rower, and I'll tell you why. When I was younger, my rowing coach, Frank Cunningham, used to say to me, he would pull up in his lunch. We'd be out in the middle of Lake Washington, and Frank would pull up, and he would yell at me, too bad for you, Marilyn. God made you a rower. <laughs> Just out in the middle of the lake. He would do it all the time to me. And I, for years, I didn't know what that meant. And I don't know why I knew Frank really well. I still don't know to this day why I didn't ask him, what do you mean by that, coach? <laughs> but recently, I've started to understand the importance of it. Being in a rowing boat with another person literally puts you in the same boat together. There's no escaping it. Everything you do and everything you don't do impacts the other person. I've been rowing a lot this year in a double rowing boat at 6 a.m. in the morning. 6 a.m. is a special time to be out on the water, right? The sun's coming up. It's quiet. How did I get in that boat? Well, it's been a hard year. We've had illness in my family with my spouse. My best friend from college passed away. Pernilla, you remember, we had a white rose here for my friend, Pernilla Pershan Hardin. 
And Pernilla was the first person I prayed with to become a Christian. Yep, she was my roommate. She was called the bartender when we first met and when we, all, we had our Swedish apartment in Florida. Yep, but Pernilla went from the bartender through her own transformation to being a Christian. So I prayed. I needed to get in a boat again. I rowed a lot in Seattle, and I stopped rowing here. I prayed that God would find me the right rowing partner this summer. I prayed a lot about that. I bought a new boat. I bought a double. I invested in that. And it has worked out because now I row three to four times a week with a man who rowed in college, who was on our national team, who's also been a pastor. This is the funny thing, the coincidence. He's also been a pastor for the last 35 years. So God does answer our prayers, and it's not a coincidence that my doubles rowing partner is a man of faith. And we spend a lot of time on the water, usually two hours at a time. So I spend six to eight hours on the water with this man now every week. Experiencing how he stepped up in the summer to row with me, despite all the things he has going on in, in his life, has caused me to think about the importance of my own impact. When we're in the boat, I can't think, David will do it. He will pull hard. He'll keep the boat stable when the water of Lake Mendota is swirling all around us, when wakes are hitting our boat and hitting my back. We have mornings like that. We have mornings when I'm tired, when he's tired, when the water is just terrible, and I wonder, should we even go out there? <laughs> and I can't think David will do it. No, it's a joint effort. We need each other. We have to work together because most days, like our days in life, are not perfect. For it to work, we have to focus more on working together than anything else. We have to do our part because one person can't get the boat across the lake. There's a little message in that. That was the same message Paul delivered to the Romans. At the time he wrote Romans, there were Jewish and Gentile believers who faced periods of persecution. They were going through a really hard time in Rome. There were disagreements about adherence to Jewish laws and customs. There were theological issues. The entire book of Romans, as Charlie said, is full of lessons for life. Basically, Paul told the Jews and the Gentiles that they were all in the same boat, and they all needed to transform through the renewing of their minds. To believe the lie that someone else would do it would not have worked. Earlier this year, when I heard about the preaching class, I thought, that's for someone else. That's for Carrie or Melissa or Brenda or other people, right? But the more I prayed, the more I was open to the idea of taking the class, and the desire grew in my heart. Through the support of the, group, the church, a group of us took that class together. We encouraged each other. And we all completed the class, and now it's my turn to be here and deliver good news from the pews. The second lie is that if I do something, it won't matter. This lie contradicts the idea of transformation, right? Which emphasizes that renewing our minds does matter. Believing that our personal efforts won't make a difference, what does that lead to? It leads to complacency. And it hinders the growth and renewal that God desires for each of us. When I'm in the boat with David, there are times when I feel like I don't make a difference, that I'm just hanging on. But it's not true. We make each other better, 
and we make, make each other stronger. It's funny, when we get through really rough water, and when I mean rough, I mean the boat's really moving around. Like, I'm wondering, God, should I even be here, right? Some of those mornings, you've, some of you have been on that lake. It gets really rough. The wind comes all the way across the lake. So when we get through those really tough times, it's really funny. When we stop and talk about what we just did, especially when it's that tough, we tell each other that because you kept going, I was able to keep going. We let each other know that our efforts matter. We encourage each other. And we need to encourage each other. Melissa talked about the church that encourages each other and how important it is. You have all been given wonderful gifts. And I encourage you to pray and ask God what you should do with those gifts. Because they're not just for you. They're for the glory of God. In Matthew 5.14, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, God has amazing things for you to do. Things that can change the world. Like Brenda said, people are not who you think they are. You are not who the world would like you to think you are. The world tells us we are not enough. You're not smart enough, not beautiful enough, strong enough, or rich enough. We aren't just enough. What we does does not matter. But you are better than that. You're a gift from God. Don't let someone else drive your behavior, get you to conform, or tell you your actions won't matter. Instead, spend time with God. If you want to know what God wants you to do with your gifts, ask God. Like I did that day, cry out to God and God will answer. God is working in my life as I mentor people at work, giving them advice and helping them navigate the waters of a changing international company. I'm going to insert a little thing here because I heard something about like devices and TikTok. I work with IT. I run a global automation program. The algorithms, and I took this out of my sermon, but now I just, I can't escape it. I can't ignore it. You'll know why in a minute. Um, the algorithms that they're writing today are tracking your language patterns, your thoughts, and they are trying to drive your behavior. It is a real thing. It is a big thing. It's part of quantum computing. It's part of the new stack chips they make today. I don't let it happen at our company at all. That's my Esther moment. But people are doing it. Everybody's doing it. If you really want to be close to God, put down your device. Put down your phone. Go for a walk. Do what Charlie does. Get on your bike. If you, can, if you have a bike. <laughs> if you know how to ride your bike. But put it down. Have your own thoughts. Have your own time with God. Make your own decisions. This year, I became the chair of the RISE Committee at our company. And I'm now serving on our DEI Council, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Both have challenged me in many ways. And with God's help, I'm doing my best to make a difference. The third lie is, and that's why I just told you about the thing I was going to leave out, is if I ignore it, it will go away. <laughs> You heard Carrie preach about being born for this time. Friends, you were born for this time. 
You have the gifts and skills needed to meet the challenges for this day. The lie that if you ignore it, it will go away, hinders your own transformation. It promotes avoidance instead of intentional engagement. The world is a broken place. You see the things you see. You feel the pain you feel. You also feel the love and compassion you feel all for a reason. You were born for this time. Like with rowing, the water of life will be rough at times. It may not be easy, but despite how hard it gets, you will be filled with joy because you got in the boat in the first place and trusted God. You did not ignore what God wanted you to do. You'll be filled with joy because you will know you are living the will of God. That's why I'm so happy today. I'm living the will of God. To be transformed, we need to open our eyes and not ignore what is around us. We need to be willing to let go of who we are today and become who God wants us to. I love this saying, how does one become a butterfly? You have to want to learn to fly so much that you're willing to give up being a caterpillar. I think it's much nicer to fly than to crawl around in the dirt, you know? Romans 3.21 says we've all been given different gifts. In the Presbyterian Ruling Elder Essential Guide, Paul S. Wright explains that, and get ready for this, like Brenda said, put your seatbelt on now because here it comes. And God says, preach this with zeal, so I'm going to do it. We must face boldly the challenges of worldliness and not let ourselves live a worldly life of comfort under the illusion that we are still Christian. Wow. Wow. For me, the worldly life of comfort would be to let the preacher preach and assume my gifts are not needed. But since God has given me an abundance of hope, positivity, and energy, I hope to use my gifts to inspire you to use the gifts that God has given you. So how do we renew our minds? How do you renew your mind? I think it might be different for different people. I personally like going outside, rowing, spending time in nature, praying, riding my bike, reading my Bible, and unplugging from the world, putting that device down. That journey has brought me here today. Who would think that 10 years ago, I didn't want to go to church any longer? Seven years ago, we moved to Madison from Seattle. You know, it's kind of funny because the Midwest was the one place I said I would never live again. <laughs> Yeah, I grew up in it. I grew up in a small town, small farm town with really bad winters. And here I am. Not only are we here, we love it here. We have no plans to leave. This year I became an elder. I took the preaching class. And I'm honored to stand here today and encourage you to renew your minds like I've been renewing mine. Do not conform to this world, but renew your mind. Paul gave the same message to the Romans because to know God's perfect will for them, they needed to renew their minds. They also needed to change their perspectives about each other, their traditions, their theology, and the way they lived. And I encourage you to do what Charlie said and read that whole, that whole chapter today. They were in the same boat, but they were not rowing the best they could. Are we? Are we doing the best we can? Are there behaviors we need to change? Is God tugging at your heart to step up and help, to stop and listen, and to take some action? Why did God make me a rower? 
Well, I'm starting to believe that rowing helps me experience working with other people in all kinds of situations. God doesn't intend for us to be alone. You are not alone. And I learn a lot of life lessons when I'm in the boat. Some days we talk about everything, and other days we don't talk at all. I feel my mind being renewed as I ponder different scriptures and pray for God's direction in my life. It's given me a fresh perspective being out there on the water at 6 a.m., especially about the church, because it was the church who left me, and it's the church who's helped me transform. Over the past several years, the church and the people in it, this church and the people in this church, some of you sitting here in the pews, you are the people who have helped change my life, and I'm grateful for that. I ponder these things when I'm out rowing on Lake Mendota. And the one thing I can't ignore, I woke up today and while I was praying, getting ready to come here, I thought, God, what's the one thing I can't ignore? And God said, I want you to say two things today. And the two things I have to say to you today is, you are not alone. Whoever is sitting out here and you have thought you are alone, you are not alone. You are here with us and we are a family. We're a church family. And we're here to love and help and support each other. The second thing I heard God tell me is you have to write that book, The Rower's Code. You have to transform that book that you wrote. I wrote it as a business book years ago, and I made good money writing that book. For several years, I traveled all over and spoke to groups about The Rower's Code. You're going to say, what's The Rower's Code? I'll say it real fast. Someone else can do it? If I do, oh, sorry, I'm almost getting into my lies. Sorry about that. Um, always do what's best for the team, give every seat equal value, carry your load, balance the boat, stay in sync, and lead by example. But I'm going to rewrite that in a Christian way, and guess who's going to rewrite it with me? Of all people, David, the rower, the pastor, right? God is amazing. Doug talked about the person who sells all he has to buy the field where the treasure is hidden. When I think of that field that Doug talked about, I see all of you. You are the treasure in the field. God paid a big price for you and for me. He gave us everything he had so that we could access his kingdom. We are his beloved children, his treasure, and he wants nothing more than for us to renew our minds so we could know his good and perfect will and live it. God's response to spending time with him is that he changes us, gives us new life, new perspective, eyes to see, ears to hear, and hands to do his work so that we can, in turn, make a difference in this world. If you want to be transformed, go to God with an open heart, with an honest heart. Don't ask God to change something around you. Ask God to renew your mind, to help you see things clearly, and to change you. He will do it. And when you look at the journey you've been on, you will think, just like I have, what a wonderful journey it is. Not always easy, but wonderful. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your love, your patience, and for each other. We're all in this boat of life together. Thank you for renewing our minds so that we can be transformed and be more like you so that we could help those in need and make a difference in this world we live in. Amen.